Thank you, Terry. And uh, sorry that it wasn't the reading that was published in your notices. I, I don't know what went wrong there. I think that must have been me having a senior moment. I tend to get a lot of them these days. Well, just looking around and hearing what everybody's saying tonight, I think, you know, we might have been better to have met over at the uh, health centre over the road, don't you think? <laughs> you don't have to cough. <laughs> there we are. Anyway, it's great to be here and uh, just uh, on such a rotten night. It's not good, is it? But there we are. Well, Richard's already sort of mentioned uh, in his prayers a couple of the topics that I was going to begin with tonight, and uh, one of them was the choice that we made last year, last June, if you remember, to leave the EU. And then, of course, back in November, the American people, or at least some of them, made a choice that has seen Donald John Trump become the 45th President of the United States. And having witnessed throughout his campaign all the controversy regarding his comments, especially about women and about disabilities, about Muslims and about Mexicans, and then there was the revelations from the secret service of his alleged antics in the Moscow Hotel, whether those revelations turn out to be true or not. What's concerning for many people, not just in the USA, has been all, and of course the protests that have gone on around the world proves that, is that there should be a question mark over the life and the integrity of a man who's arguably now one of the most powerful men on earth. Especially who, a man who, when he was asked about his faith in an interview some time ago, claimed to be a born-again believer. Well, without making wrong and unfair judgments on a fellow human being, it does seem to me that the criticisms that Mr. Trump's uh, has gone through for the comments that he's made, it goes way beyond what most politicians might face uh, from those who are opposed to them or to their policies. But all that we've heard and witnessed so far, and the reams of newsprint that's been published about Mr. Trump's larger-than-life personality, can and for many has led them to question some of the choices that he's made over the years. And for many, how will those choices he makes in the future as president affect the lives of people, not just in the USA, as he seeks to make America great again, but people all over the world? Well, the Bible makes clear to us, doesn't it, that as God's people, we're called to live holy, blameless lives before God. Lives that reflect Christ in us. Lives that will attract others to come to him. Well, today, we're not looking at that reading that Terry brought us, although we will come back to that later. What we are looking at is two verses from Matthew chapter 7. So if you wanted to turn to those, it is only two verses. And it's Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Because what they're about is choice. They speak of choices. And having spoken at length, as Jesus has through the Sermon on the Mount, concerning many things that point us to the kingdom of heaven, to a new and a right way to live, away from the religious piety of the Pharisees, Jesus sums all that he's said so far in the Sermon on the Mount like this. And this is verse 12 from uh, chapter 7. He says, So in everything, <coughs> excuse me, do to others what you'd have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. 
And that's quite a challenge when you read those, those words. Not only for men like Donald Trump as he begins his presidency, but also for us today to do to others what you'd have them do for you. God's call on us as his people is not to blurt out the kind of rhetoric that we heard during the, the US presidential campaign, but to seek to unite people in Christ, to be humble, to demonstrate in how we love God by how we serve others, being prepared to seek forgiveness when we've either wronged or we've slandered someone. Something Jesus, of course, encourages us to do in the Lord's Prayer. Especially if we expect to be forgiven ourselves. See, the Bible makes clear that God offers forgiveness to all who turn to him with repentant hearts, acknowledging their actions. If they're not in line with God's will, that will would have an impact on those around us. And it will make us guilty of sinning against God. Well, if we go back into the Old Testament, to that time when David had committed adultery and murder, we see that his selfish actions, they brought about untold misery and suffering to others. But it also brought misery and suffering to him, didn't it? Sin does that, doesn't it? When we're guilty of sin, we know that it causes pain to us, and of course it can cause pain to others. So when David came before the Lord... What he said in Psalm 51 verse 4 was this, Against you, and only you, have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. Well, without pointing the finger at others, and especially men like Donald Trump, what we witness on a daily basis today is the sinful actions of those who've made the choice and chosen to take a particular pathway in life. But that said... We also need to remember to put our own house in order before we criticise others. Because you see, in our own minds and hearts, we can be just as guilty of thinking or doing the awful things that we see around us today. Another president of the States, do you remember this chap, Jimmy Carter? He stood before a, a group of ladies uh, in America one day and he said, you know, ladies, I've committed adultery. They went, oh, Jimmy Carter's committed adultery. And he said, in my mind... So, you know, we all suffer. We all suffer sin, don't we? Well, having heard all that Jesus had to say in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus now puts the disciples on the spot regarding their choices. The choice to go with the flow or to follow Christ in faith, trust and obedience. And those are the same choices that we need to think seriously about ourselves today. There's two roads we can take. There's that broad road that Jesus says only leads to destruction. Or there's that narrow road that leads to life. And then there's two types of gate that we can enter through. There's a smaller, narrow gate. And Jesus said it's not hidden, but only a few find it. Only a few are prepared to take it. So firstly tonight we have a choice as to which road we take. Well, some years ago, and it is a long time ago now, I have to say, I was invited to think about preaching, which of course would mean sacrificing time to more in-depth study. My head said, oh, don't be daft. You can't do that. But my heart, pushed by the Holy Spirit, said different. The choice was simple. Take the easy way out or make the more challenging decision. 
I bet many of you are probably thinking, I made the wrong decision. Don't have to agree. <laughs> but I did choose the difficult and often as challenging it is, I wanted to preach because I felt that's what God called me to do. And it needed me to trust in him and allow him to equip me. And I believe he has. And I believe he continues to do so. Because, you see, the gospel, if it's preached with integrity, will bring each person to make a decision, to make a choice, either to change and to truly follow Christ or not heed what's been said and remain unchanged. There's no middle ground. Just look at verses 13 and 14 here. This is chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, says Jesus, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Well, Alison often accuses me of being a grumpy old man. And she's probably right. Because I get concerned, especially as I get older, when I'm around younger children, and, and, and indeed some of the mums that come to our TOTS group, because I struggle today to know in my mind if they actually have any boundaries in their lives. It's a big struggle today, isn't it? They don't seem to really know what's right and what's wrong. And somehow, what's right and wrong has become very blurred. And I believe that's the result of many, many years of liberal thinking and liberal teaching, of leaving the gospel out, especially in our schools. And let's thank God in this village that we've got two schools that we can get into and we can proclaim Jesus. For us as Christians, our desire is to acknowledge Christ and to live the way that he commands us to live through his word. To live lives that, although they're not easy, will lead us to living life to the full. That life that Jesus wants us to have. That life that he's promised us that we'll have and all will have who follow him. But then there's living apart from God's word where right and wrong, what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable, has become blurred. We only have to look at the controversy around sexuality today to see that the world says something is right and it's acceptable and we should embrace it. And yet the Bible teaches us very clearly it's wrong. It goes against God's word. As you know, I'm an ex-Anglican and of course there's been a big debate in the Anglican church recently. And I praise God this morning that the bishops, when I listened to what was said on the radio this morning, the bishops have gone in favour of God's word. And praise them for that. But we're sure we won't hear the end of it. You can bet your bottom dollar that the politically charged LGBT community will be pushing and pushing and pushing for that to be overturned. But we need to pray. We need to pray God's Holy Spirit on the bishops, on clergy, that we preach the truth, we preach the gospel, and we uphold it. And we uphold it as the truth. Because, you see, the consequences of man's actions are spelt out here in the pages of Scripture. And Jesus' question to all of us is this, which road are we taking in life today? Which road are we taking in life? Will it be the road that leads to life? Or is it that much broader road that millions take that's more appealing to many? The road that Jesus warns only leads to death and to destruction. Go back to the beginning of the Psalms 
and it begins by the psalmist telling us of the choice that he made a choice that was made because he loved God he said blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers the way that he's chosen is the way to delight in the Lord and to delight in the Lord's word. This man knew that sin and wickedness has eternal consequences. So instead, he chose to do what many think is a boring waste of time these days, and that's to read and to meditate on God's word. And to pray that the Holy Spirit would help him discern what God's saying through his word. And then that challenge for him was to actually obey it, not just to ignore it. James warns us that reading God's word and not doing what it says is like someone looking in a mirror and then forgetting what they look like. You've got a face like mine, you want to forget what you look like. But the psalmist goes on to say that having made the choice to meditate on God's word, he delights in it. Because before God, his life is like a tree. It's a lovely picture, this is a tree that's planted by streams of water because it will always bear fruit for God. Its leaf will never wither. And whatever he does, he can testify that God will prosper him spiritually. But the destination of those who choose to ignore God, to see him as an irrelevance to life today, will be like that chaff that's blown away in the wind. So two choices we can make. And this is what Jesus is saying here to the disciples. You've heard all that I've said through the sermon. So how are you going to respond? Well, we may not be under the same scrutiny as uh, would-be world leaders are, but God knows all things and he knows our hearts and he knows the choices that we make. And his desire is that by his grace we'll make choices that reflect our love and obedience for him. And the choice God longs for us to make is to take that narrow road that leads to life and not the broad, much easier road that's popular today. Even, I might say, among a lot of Christians. It's a popular road because being such a broad road, it really doesn't have any boundaries, it doesn't have any curbs, does it? There's no road markings to keep us in our lanes. It's a road where we're in charge it's a road where we can follow every inclination of our hearts. It's a road where pride reigns, false ambition takes hold, self-righteousness comes to the fore, and where greed and idolatry are common characteristics. That's the broad road. And you know, when you think about it, we don't have to work at any of those things because they come from what Paul told the Romans, is every evil inclination of man's heart. This is the broad road, this is the M25 of life today that leads us to nowhere. The M25 just goes round and round, doesn't it? As a friend of ours found to his cost a couple of years ago, he missed a turning and he ended up going right round the 25 again. But there we are. Whereas the narrow road that Jesus mentions here is a much, much harder road to take. It's a road that's not very popular today because it requires obedience to God. In other words, it requires us dying to self and all that keeps us captive to this world. <clears throat> it's a road that puts God first over doing what we want to do. And it's a road, I pray, that each one of us here have responded to. 
to the truth that God has chosen to reveal to us through his word. And it's the road we're on because we've heeded what God says to us. And it's the road that we know, however hard it is to stay on it, is absolutely the right road for us today. Because it's the only road that leads to life, everlasting life with God the Father. So we've looked at the road. Well, secondly, there's two gates that we can enter through. Excuse me, I'm going to have a quick slurp. Ali and I went to uh, Lewis Castle just a few weeks ago. I've never been there before, even though I've lived down in Brighton and Hove for many years now. And of course, like many ancient castles, it's had a boundary wall to protect it. Parts of it are still there. It was there to protect those that lived within the castle boundaries, the walls inside, keep them from harm. But of course, walls need gateways, don't they? They need gateways for people to come in and go out of them for produce to be brought in. And castles like Lewis, they had gates that were wide enough to bring a horse and cart through. And then, of course, there were other gates that were only wide enough for one person at a time to go through. And when you saw some of the ancient pictures, boy, people must have been thin in those days. They really did go through very narrow entrances. Well, it's January and it's tipping it down with rain outside and I bet many of you are thinking about where you're going on holiday this year. You're planning your holidays. And of course, as you get nearer to your holidays, you'll have to decide what you're going to take with you, how much luggage you're going to take. Well, my experience of airports isn't as great as some of yours. It's quite limited. But it's... I have enough knowledge to know that you can't take too much baggage through those narrow airport gateways. But just imagine if the gateway was wide. There was no one at the gate to say, sorry mate, you can't take that, you've got too much luggage, leave some of it here. Spiritually speaking, you see, at the wide gates we don't need to leave anything behind. We can take these often proud hearts through or our self-righteousness that we've cultivated over the years. We can even take unrepentant sin through with us. This is such an easy gateway to go through, because it doesn't demand that we change. Whereas the narrow gateway is much harder to go through. And even though this gate's visible to us, Jesus says, only a few find it. Why? Because the gateway to life itself is Jesus himself. He is the gateway. He is the gate. And it's the only gateway that you and I should be queuing up to go through if we claim to know Christ. Well, we know for centuries that many people have argued over the truth of what is our church motto for this coming year. Some of you may have seen it if it's dropped through your door. And it says that Jesus is the only way to the Father. That's the essence of what it says. Instead, many think that we go to heaven if we're nice people. Many say to me, well, I do good deeds. Why should that stop me from going? We go to church. Christmas, Easter, surely that qualifies us. There was a lady just before Christmas that comes to our Tots group, she was outraged when she saw a a scriptural verse from John's Gospel on some of the literature that we'd sent out, saying that if we don't believe, we stand condemned already. 
She thought that was horrendous. And then she had the gall to tell me that she's brought up going to church every week, that she's a Christian, and that this, that and the other. But there we are. Because what the Bible teaches is that there is only one way we can enter God's kingdom, and it's through that narrow gate. And that's only possible for those who've made that, been made right before God. It's not something we can achieve by our own efforts, but we know that. It's solely a work of God in our lives. And only when we accept the sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross, and with thankful hearts, and we turn to him, will we be made right in our hearts before God. And for all who've accepted Christ into their lives and died to self and allowed Jesus to take away all the baggage that, was, that once characterised our lives, with total confidence we know that we can enter through the narrow gate that leads to life. I'm sure many of you have probably read John Bunyan's uh, Pilgrim's Progress. You remember the character Christian? He began by carrying a burden, didn't he? Do you remember that? All the things that we saw that could go through that wide gateway this man was carrying. But of course, when he came to the cross, the burden was lifted from him permanently. The cross of Christ may be a narrow gateway to a narrow road, but it's a gateway where we have a perfect guide. One who will not allow us to become lost. A guide who also upholds us through all the difficult times we encounter in our Christian lives. A helper who's always walking alongside us, holding on to us through those times when life causes us to stumble. One who's always willing to pick us up if necessary, ready to revive and to restore these flagging hearts. Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, all who are weary, and I will refresh you. This wonderful five-star treatment is only available to those of us who've entered through that narrow gate. So, finally tonight and briefly, there's only two destinations. Well, let's just nick back to that Deuteronomy reading that Terry brought to us. And I'm just going to read you from 15 to 19. <clears throat> See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction... For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you're not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and to possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your forefathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob well the scriptures make very clear to us that there are only two ways for us to live we saw that, didn't we, in Psalm 1. We either prosper through delighting in God's word or we perish because we choose to leave God out of our lives. Children of Israel were told to love God, to keep his commands, to obey his decrees, to uphold the law. 
But what Moses set before them was a choice, wasn't it? Choose life or choose death. Well, this is what John tells us about God in 1 John 4.16. He says this, God is love. God is love. Just let those words sink into our hearts for a minute. And as they do, think about who God is. Think about how majestic his name is. We were trying to get our heads around that this morning at the beginning of our service. John was leading this morning and he said he'd been challenged all week about how infinite God's love is. He's trying to get his mind around the God who's created all things. And it's mind-blowing, isn't it? But the God who created all things has also paid a huge price for us so that we could be made right with God. God is a creator God. He's not a destroyer God. He's not someone who would delight in losing any one of his children. Instead, he's a God who will one day grieve in his heart to think of the many, many millions who've chosen to reject and ignore his love. God will grieve because all who reject him will be lost. They'll be lost forever. Blown away on the wind like the chaff. Because they've chosen to take that suicidal broad road that Jesus very clearly says only leads to destruction. Well as God's people, doesn't that spur us on in the command that we're being given to go, as Jesus says, to go into all the world with the gospel of peace. The only true peace men can ever find in their hearts comes from when they turn to Christ and leave all their burdens with him and enter through the narrow gate that leads to life. Lots of people today are not, are not at peace with God. They're still enemies in their hearts with God. Even I would suggest many who go to church these days may have been going to church for a long time. So they're still on that broad road. And we need to pray and encourage them that they will come onto this narrow road, through this narrow gateway that leads to life. Well, as Richard prayed earlier, on the eve of Donald Trump's time as president, my prayer is that he hasn't already done so. He will make a choice to enter through the narrow gate and stay on the road that leads to life. Because, you see, I believe emphatically that that choice he makes will define his presidency folks i'm sorry i've struggled with my voice tonight if it's been a little incoherent do forgive me let's just pray shall we